You're listening to What Were You Thinking? Apparently, he had heard over the production walkie-talkies that the car wasn't running and that something had broken. And um, he just said to me, point blank, am I f***ed? I mean, that's not something you want to hear your client say. And it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a legitimate question, right? But to be honest, I, I couldn't guarantee that we weren't. What Were You Thinking is a podcast where a brand or agency creative looks back at the creation of a single piece of branded content and blow by blow tells the story of what they were thinking when it was created. In this episode, we'll hear about my experience producing a branded film from Microsoft. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard Delta Airlines Flight 2998. Shortly after I started at Tex 100, I went up to Seattle to meet with our Microsoft client. At the time, Tex 100 was managing the social channels for the Windows developer team at Microsoft. WinDevs are the individuals, companies, people who basically make the apps and programs for use on the Windows platform. When I started at Tex 100, one of my goals was to show not just existing clients, but potential new clients, that we were truly an integrated agency, that the service that I oversaw, brand film, was something that we truly offered now. So I flew up to Seattle to meet with a Microsoft client. It was, a, it was a great meeting. We had a great back and forth. We talked a lot about uh, the brand films and videos that we, that we liked and that we uh, aspired to make ourselves. At this point, Garrett was really happy and pleased with what we had been doing for him for the social channels. But he wanted to do something more. He wanted, as he put it, a big rock, something that would make a big splash. The meeting ended, and as we were walking out, Garrett said, hey, if you can come up with a great idea, that big rock, I'll find the money to make it happen. On the way back, Brian Mossop, who was the account lead at the time, and I were pretty jazzed. This is a great opportunity for Tex 100 to really demonstrate our new brand film capabilities. In a follow-up conversation with Garrett, he said that he wanted us to do a video that demonstrated how the desktop bridge worked and how fast it was. So we went back to our team and we brainstormed. So we came up with this idea of a video series. The series would feature a real-life developer and not an actor to see how fast they could convert their applications using the desktop bridge. And uh, we were going to put that developer, uh, we were going to strap them into the front seat of a race car while it was racing around the track, and the developer would be converting their app before the race car finished its circuit. Uh, we'd also put the developer in the front row of the world's fastest wooden roller coaster. And lastly, we'd put them in the jump seat of a fighter jet as it completes its air show routine. And this idea... Garrett loved, and he wanted to start with the race car. With the concept for Big Rock approved, Barrett and the team found themselves up against a quickly approaching deadline. Microsoft wanted the campaign to launch before their annual product conference called Build in May. It was the middle of February when they got the green light to start pre-production. And at this time, this was probably like uh, early winter. So we had to quickly um, you know, put together a team I was not only executive producing, but I was also going to direct this. So I was also wearing a few hats, which um, saves money because, again, this is this is coming from a traditional PR agency where clients typically don't allocate this type of money. If we were at an ad agency, the budget that we had would probably be the same as they spend on craft services. But for PR, this was a big budget. 
So at this point, um, we've got our, our production schedule. We've got our, our main team in place um, with our production managers and our ADs. In late winter, we started to scout for a location of this racetrack. This was going to be everything would kind of flow from this racetrack um, production-wise as far as the look and the logistics and all that. And we found a great racetrack in Lime Rock, Connecticut. Seth Marshall, who was the director of photography on the project, uh, he and I decided to go up to Lime Rock and scout. Unfortunately, it being mid-February, there was a ton of snow. In fact, it had just snowed a few days before, uh, and they had about two feet of snow on the track. It was, it was so deep that my car actually got stuck as we were driving around the track and we had to push it out. It was a concern for us, the snow. It was so deep that we weren't sure it was going to melt. Here it was, you know, mid-February, end of February, and we had a shoot probably in late March, and we didn't know if the snow was going to melt in time. And so we decided that we, maybe we should find another location that would uh, guarantee us, or at least hopefully guarantee us, better weather. And we looked at a ton of locations, a ton of tracks all around the country, you know, out in Arizona and California, Texas. And unfortunately, a lot of them just didn't have a look uh, that we were after. So we couldn't really keep pushing back the filming date because we had that deadline of launching the video before build. Fortunately, we found Road Atlanta. It had lots of twists and turns and straightaways where you could really accelerate so the car would really be put through its paces. With pre-production behind them, the team convenes at Road Atlanta in the rolling hills of Northeast Georgia. The first of two days of filming is just 36 hours away. That Monday of the week that we were going to shoot, we were going to have our pre-production meeting, so everybody flew in from around the country, and I didn't feel well. And I knew it wasn't just like nerves because this was a big production and it was the big rock that um, our client and the agency was looking to do. Um, Something else was up, and I really didn't feel well. And sure enough, that whole night, I had the worst stomach bug I've ever had. I was laid out all night long, didn't sleep, was feverish into the next day, and I I literally couldn't get out of bed. Um, And this was really an important day because this is when we were going to do our tech scout. This was where everybody was going to go out to the location and we were going to look at each angle, how we were going to cover it with which cameras and and how many shots we needed to get. It was really kind of tightening the bolts on, on how things were going to go during the shoot, and I couldn't go. I just, I had to stay in bed, which as not only the executive producer, but the director was horrifying to me. Seth and I had had so many conversations and talked so much about um, what we wanted to do, the look that we wanted, the feel that we wanted, that I really was able to trust him. I was really able to trust that team to kind of take care of the scout. So they went out and they scouted and um, came back. And finally, after I had a bowl or two of dry Cheerios, I felt well enough to at least come out of the room and meet the rest of the production team that had come in because we were going to start shooting the next day. Anytime you're doing a production and you're going to be filming outdoors, you always want to be able to find what we call weather cover, which is basically things that you can film indoors if the weather should turn inclement. We wake up for that first day of filming, and it is a torrential downpour. 
It was raining so hard that the Masters Golf Tournament, which is played nearby every April, had to cancel their par three tournament, which is something they've never done in the history of the Masters. That's how, how bad the weather was. So we decided to go to our weather cover. Whenever I start a production, the first day of filming, I try to schedule an easy shot to start the day of filming. It helps the crew feel confident. It builds a little bit of momentum going into the rest of the day. And so our easy shot was going to be, let's just shoot some B-roll, some beauty shots of the car in the garage. Well, unfortunately, because we switched our days, uh, the car wasn't ready. So we had to flex. We had to figure out, okay, we can't shoot that, so what do we start with? So we'll just go to the grandstand, to like the clubhouse, the press box, and we'll film with Derek, our developer there. Again, when we originally were scouting this and planning it, all these windows were going to help provide us with a lot of natural light to, to light our scene. But the weather was so crummy that we ended up having to bring in a lot more light fixtures, big silks, and it became this huge apparatus to get it to look nice in this dark interior. And it put us behind. And unfortunately, the effect of that was Derek, who's a non-actor, and he's kind of nervous to begin with, got overwhelmed by all of this. And even though it was unscripted and we just wanted him to tell us in his own words what he was doing that day, it became a real challenge for him. And starting right on the lens. Rolling sound, quiet. 1.67. Ready, and action. It took us a long time, but we finally got through, and the editor did a great job pulling his bit together. We wrap up day one, we get all of the good stuff that we needed to help tell the story, and we're ready for the next day at our racetrack. Day two dawns, and thankfully, it's sunny. And this is a big day for us because now we're on the racetrack. This is where we're getting those money shots of the car racing around the track, and it was a huge crew. We had several camera teams, we had a behind-the-scenes crew, we had the racing crew, and we had a special effects team that built this really cool rig that would hold the laptop into Derek's lap as he was racing around the track. And our goal was to film the interior of the car first so we can have uh, his reactions and the driver conversation with him, and then we'd film it going around the racetrack. There's a lot of safety concerns when you're talking about a car going 100, 150 miles an hour down the track. Uh, safety for the driver and the passenger in any circumstances is always a priority. But when you're rigging cameras and there's, you know, G-forces being exerted, you really have to make sure that the rigging interior and exterior is really solid. So it took us a really long time to kind of rig it and test it to make sure it was going to be safe. <laughs> It was getting close to lunch, and we hadn't rolled a shot. I knew our, our client, the account exec on, the, on our team was getting a little bit nervous, but we finally rolled, and we got some great footage. All yours, Andrew. Have fun. Three awesome. Let's do this. All right. And we did a bunch of passes, some really fun reactions in the car. Down the back stretch here. Yeah. What are we getting to? Come on. 120 now, about to go to fifth gear. Here we go. Excellent. 145, 150. Yeah. At this point, Derek and, and Andrew had developed a nice little rapport between them, so there's some really nice camaraderie. After a day and a half of delays and challenges, the crew finally has the momentum they need to finish the shoot. Heading into lunch, spirits are high. 
At lunch, I usually like to, you know, walk around to the different departments and see how the day is going for them, any concerns that they might have. And uh, so I'd go to the camera, talk to Seth, then I go to the audio team, you know, just checking everybody out. And I head over to the garage to talk to the mechanics to see how they're doing with the car, see how Andrew's doing. And uh, they did not look good. Um, and they had some bad news for me. As part of their routine inspection, they had discovered that something in the suspension of the race car had cracked. While it was still drivable, they just weren't sure how safe it was going to be. They literally said the wheel might fly off on one of those turns, and it was not something they could fix. Yeah, it was, uh, it was not, it was not uh, good news. We still had a lot of filming to do, and these were still, like I said, the money shots. You can prepare all your contingencies, but uh, this was not something that we'd ever thought would happen. I also knew that I had to go talk to the client. It's like the Green Mile. It's this long walk that I have to go from the garage to the production office at base camp there. And so as I'm walking up, he walks out, and he doesn't look happy. Apparently, he had heard over the production walkie-talkies that the car wasn't running and that something had broken. And... um he just said to me, point blank, am I fucked? I mean, that's not something you want to hear your client say. And it was a, it was a, it was a, le- it was a legitimate question, right? Um, I didn't know. Um, we're trying to figure things out. But to be honest, I, I couldn't guarantee that we weren't. At this point, you're starting to run all these different scenarios through your head with your production team. You know, um, is there any way to get a replacement part? No. Is there any way to use another car? No, we've already filmed too much with interior with a new car. And sometimes in these situations, you might be able to say, all right, you know, we'll make an insurance claim and we'll wrap for today and we'll come back tomorrow. But the track wasn't available, so we couldn't even film beyond this day. Things were not looking good for us at this point. So we had to figure out something to do. The mechanics went back and they reevaluated the, the situation and they determined that we could, we could race the car, just not at the top speeds that we had planned to. So we kind of threw all our eggs into that basket, and we managed to get a lap, managed to get a second lap, and we kept getting laps, and it was going great. And periodically, the mechanics would examine the car, they'd inspect it, and give us the okay to keep going. So we managed to get all of those shots done. In addition to coming up with the shots for the story, I also want to make sure that I'm getting shots that our integrated social team can use. Things like, what's the thumbnail going to be? What's going to be something that they can use for a short teaser. And I like to think of this sort of stuff almost as like album art, you know, an an iconic image that people will recognize and remember. And it's the same thing with like a music video that has a certain look or feel that, you know, flipping through your social feed and you see that image, you know exactly what that is. It's like with Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit. You just need to see one frame and you know exactly what, song and what band that is. And that's what I try to think of when I'm coming up with these sort of introductory images, which we had decided was going to be the the car doing its victory donut burnout, you know, where it spins its tires and the smoke is is just filling the, the air. And we were going to film Derek walking towards us as that car was spinning out in the background. Unfortunately, those types of images, that sort of stuff we hadn't gotten yet. With the sun setting fast and a car on its last leg, the crew scrambled and hustled to set up the final shots before darkness fell. Fortunately, we were able to get 
in a bunch of takes, a lot of footage. We did so many burnouts that the rubber was shredded off the tires right down to the rims. We literally drove the car till it couldn't drive anymore. There is no greater feeling when you've gotten all the footage you need and you can say, that's a wrap. The end brand film is something that you know I'm proud of, not just because I felt like it looked um, great and it had a great story, but um, the important thing is with brand films is that they have to be effective. They can't just be beauty for beauty's sake. They can't just be creative for creative sake. They have to help the brand. And we kind of proved that. The Hero video was rated best in class by YouTube. With nearly 4 million views, the video campaign surpassed all expectations. As part of the integrated campaign, it helped drive four times the targeted website views and provided a massive lift of over 600% for mentioned volume of desktop bridge. And it was the big rock everyone was looking for. What Were You Thinking is hosted and edited by Barrett Tripp. It's produced by Content Branded. Content Branded helps brands and agencies tell stories that not only grab, but also hold your attention. Learn more about their workshops and consulting at contentbranded.com. Links to see the content discussed during the podcast can be found on our website, whatwereyouthinkingpodcast.com. <laughs>